Hey, we still have some people moving, coming in, and so if you, is that me? Yeah, if you would, just kind of slide together, create some space so that way people can find a seat that would be awesome. Hey, uh, happy Easter, everybody. How we doing? Should be good. I, I'm not doing as good as I could have been doing this morning. Uh, if you're brand new, uh, I'm a Kentucky fan from Kentucky, and uh, it's a rough night last night. God loves me, and, and he's forgiven me. It's been a, a wonderful thing. I, I got this little gift right before I got up, which was awesome, Wisconsin cheese. Uh, thank you very much. I'll be, uh, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. I like that. I was going to pray a blessing over you today, but I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. Hey, uh, if you're brand new, it's awesome to have you. If you're a guest, thanks so much for coming. It's an honor to, to have you come. I hope that today's a blessing to you and your family. Happy Easter. It's great to be together with you. Uh, we have been in a series, and uh, it's, it's, it's a great series. We're going to kind of wrap it up today. But I want to tell you about next week. Next week, we start a brand new series called Identity Theft. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, some big things, really five weeks on some specific things that I think the world tries to erode, really, our God-given identity. And, and in this, we're going to talk about some really relevant things, and we're going to answer these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And how much am I worth? That's where we're going to go over these next five weeks. I would encourage you to come back. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be a great series as we, uh, as we dive in. But we are wrapping up this series today, and it's called uh, Defining Moments. And we're going to wrap it up by talking about uh, Easter, the most defining moment in all of his, human history. And if you are not sure you believe, the reality is if this event were true, okay, even if you don't believe it, but if it were true, it's the most defining event in all of human history. And so uh, we've got outlines for you. They're in your notes. And, and let me just go ahead and say this. If you're brand new, if you're not brand new, we've got a connect card in there. Uh, we, we do this every week. If you've got something going on or you have prayer and you want us to pray for you, please write that in. If you're brand new, we'd love to hear from you just to, just, to, just to give you a buzz and find out what you thought of our service today. If you want to sign up for anything, that's available for you as well. Now, let me go backwards to last week. How many of you were here last week? Let me just see your hands, okay? It's okay. We're not judging anybody. Here's why. Uh, I want to kind of report because there was some, you know, a little bit happened last week. If you were in here, uh, you know that throughout the series, everything was going well. I had a great sermon for you. It was awesome. About four pages in. One of the men in our church uh, passes out, collapses, and goes down. I mean, like, man down, like, during the message. It was a total buzzkill. I mean, honestly, it really was. I mean, it was like, I got, can we wait? You know, like, I still got two more pages, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, they came in, and we had, we had plenty of good, great people here and, and, and that took good care of him. The ambulance came, and they, like, you know, put the defibrillator on him. You know, they had these cheap razors. They were trying to shave his chest, and, like, those... 1933 big plastic razors didn't do anything. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so we're praying for him. They got to the hospital. He's doing just fine. He's doing great. I want to report that to you. Yeah, you can clap. Go ahead because, like, you know, during the message, you know, like, he just goes down right over here and, like, you know, everybody's, like, looking at him. And then some of you are looking at me, like, I didn't do it. You know, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have anything to do with it. And so here's, here's the deal. Let's make a deal today, okay? Let's make a deal, all right? This is a simple Easter deal just for today. All right, here's, I'm going to preach, all right? That's the deal. And then you stay vertical, okay? Can we do that? Can we all do that? Can we just go, I'm in, I'm in. Can we do that? All right, good, very good. Because, listen, I'll, I'll, I'm not asking much. Write down a few notes. Don't fall asleep and don't pass out. That would be great, all right? That's, that's what I'm looking for today. So here's, here's how we're going to start. I want to talk about church billboards, Everybody's seen a church billboard where there's something written on it. Sometimes it's scripture. Sometimes it's super cheesy or lame or, or comical or whatever. I want to give you some. I did a little research on church billboards that, oh, it's, just, it's, it's rough, and I'm going to make fun of Christians and churches and 
that type of thing because it's, it, they're just lame. And you know what? If they weren't churches, I'd still make fun of them. So equal opportunity offender right here. So anyway, here's the deal. Uh, this, this is it, the first one. Let me just give you some signs. They're just going to be on the screen. The first one says, here you go. There are two truths. Number one, there's a God. Number two, you're not him. That's a little in your face. You know, it's like, wow. Okay, take it easy, man. See. Number two, Jesus is coming. Look busy. I don't know. Feels a little fear-based to me. I don't know. Here's the third one. Undie Sunday church picnic. I love all of you. I don't mind picnicking with you. And I hope you have underwear on. But if we're going to do a picnic, can we have clothes on? That would be awesome, you know. I mean, it's just weird. Hey, you, you were brief. It's weird. Oh, hey. Is that a WWJD thong? I don't know. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. Sorry. Not in my notes. Anyway, let me give you the next one. Uh, here's one. Um, a little bit more, a little bit more interesting. God shows no favoritism, but our sign God does go Cubs. All right. I don't know if he knows this, but God is not a Cubs fan. All right. It's been about a hundred years since they won the World Series. Here's one. Shock, shock your mom. Go to church. Right. Nice. There's a few food themes on church signs. Here's one that's kind of confusing. Bring your spiritual marshmallows. Our pastor is on fire. Right. I don't know what that means. Gateway people, please never say that about me. He's on fire. I don't know. It's just weird. Here's one. Uh, our church is, is like fudge, um, very sweet but full of nuts. I'm not going to that church. That's weird. How about this for advertisement? Holy Ghost Wiener Roast. That's just weird. Come on, come to the Holy Ghost Wiener Roast. Me, there's nothing holy about a hot dog, all right? I've, I've read the package. I've watched some, some documentaries. It's, it, there's nothing holy about hot dogs. Anyway, here's, here's some super cheesy ones. Uh, Walmart's not the only saving place. It's bad. It's really bad. Here's one. I, I kind of like this one. The Potter's House. Check out the tagline. You should come. It's not that bad. <laughs> I hope no one from Gateway invited you that way. You know, you should come. It's not that bad. It's kind of like a vasectomy. You know, it's, I mean, it's really not that bad. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it hurts for a second, and then you know the bag of peas, and you, you get over it. You know, come to church with me. It's not that bad. It's horrible. Anyway. Um, here's one. I found Larry the Cable Guy's church. Real dads get her done for God. All right. I don't know. Kind of weird. Here's one. This is bad. Jesus doesn't even like this one. Does your life stink? We have a pew for you. That's horrible. <laughs> horrible. Burn that church. Down. Don't. Not really. Anyway. Emmanuel Southern Baptist Church sign says, "Bring your sin to the altar and drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot." <laughs> I don't think we should sample Snoop Dogg and Pharrell. I just don't. I just don't. We shouldn't. You know. Some scary church signs out there, too. Here's, this is one that, that's called Mind Control Part 4, all right? I'm not going. I'm not. Part 4. Can you imagine? Who stuck around for that, you know? Here's the next one. Possessed by demons. Visitors welcome. <laughs> really? I wonder how many visitors they had. Uh, zero? You know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, here's one. Uh, you should probably read this before you put it on the sign. It says, don't let worries kill you. Let the church help, all right? Some of you are just now getting that. You, coffee's still working. Anyway, I saw you. Uh, here's a couple signs written towards people who stole something from, this, from their churches. They, they put something on the, on the sign in response to. Clays Mill Road Baptist Church. This is from Lexington, Kentucky. This is a few miles from where I used to live. All right? Here's what it says. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. Woo! Yikes! Love God, love people. Don't steal our AC. What it should say was, hey, next week, come to church, it's going to be hot, and the pastor's going to be hotter. Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, pretty lame. Uh, here's one. Uh, whoever stole our, our mower, 
God will get you, all right? We love all people, but if you take our mower, it's on, baby. It's on, all right? Anyway, uh, there's a couple shirt signs. Uh, that, that These are the last two that, that just kind of weird me out a little bit. Belgrove Missionary Baptist Church sign says, Jesus is the rizzle for the sizzle, right? <laughs> Snoop Dogg must go to church there. And if you're keep, keeping count, by the way, that's the second Snoop Dogg reference in church today. Probably the only church that's mentioned Snoop today. Anyway, uh, and then here's the last one, certainly not least. God loves fat people, faithful, available, and teachable. <laughs> let's close in prayer, all right? Let's get out of here. I'm just kidding. You can tell a lot about a church about their signs, right? I mean, they, it kind of tells you about who they are, their flavor, their personality, maybe what's important to them or, or maybe what's not important to them, things that they're into, maybe things that they're not into, stuff that they believe, stuff that maybe they're against. And you can, you can learn a lot about a church based on their sign, based on their, their message. And today, in light of this... The, the eclipse of this final this series called The Defining Moment. What we're going to talk about is the defining moment in all of human history. And I really believe, okay, that if we could get this statement into our hearts and into our heads, it would radically change everything in our lives. I believe that this statement has the power to, to melt hard hearts and to mend broken hearts and to bring clarity to confusion, to provide comfort to the hurting, to, to unleash joy in the midst of any circumstance and to bring hope where there is none. And here's that message, this statement today. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. You say that with me. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. I, I really believe that if we could get our hearts around this idea, this concept of what happened that very first Easter Sunday morning, it would radically change us from the inside out. So let's go to work, all right? Let's dive in. In your notes, we're going to go ahead and give you the first point. You've already heard it. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you used to be welcome and everything was good and all of a sudden you're no longer welcome. I don't know if maybe you had a circle of friends that you hung out with and things were good. Maybe at school, maybe at work, maybe just friends in your grown-up life and, and all of a sudden something happened or something didn't happen or something was said or didn't said or someone suspected something or thought something about you and all of a sudden you walk back into that circle and all of a sudden you felt like you weren't welcome anymore, that something had happened, that something went on, and, and all of a sudden you were on the outside looking in. Maybe you've experienced this in your marriage. Maybe for you, you, know, you, you stood in front of a bunch of people and you expressed some vows and you made some promises only to find out that that other person wasn't willing to really go the distance and say, you know, in good times and in bad, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And all of a sudden you were no longer welcome. Maybe for you, you moved from another state and, and, and you had all this circle of friends and you had life and things were good and things made sense and, and all of a sudden you moved somewhere, maybe it's here and you didn't know anybody and you, you went to this new school or this new work or you're in this new neighborhood and you're trying to find your way into a circle and for whatever reason, it was just difficult for you to break in. Maybe for you, you felt like this, this, this very thing that we're talking about, about, about being on the outside looking in, maybe you felt that way at a church one time. Maybe you had that experience. Maybe you walked in for the first time or maybe you'd been there for a long time and something happened. You made a mistake or something blew up in your life and all of a sudden you felt like you were on the outside looking in. Yeah, you could come in, but you weren't engaged. People didn't care for you the way that they once did. Or maybe you came in and you didn't dress the part or you didn't look the part or maybe your tattoos were shown or maybe you, you didn't speak their language, Christianese, and all of a sudden you felt like you were on the outside looking in. 
Here's what we understand as it relates to Jesus, his final week and the crucifixion and his bodily resurrection on that first Easter Sunday morning. Here it is. This is clear. I want you to catch this. Everybody's welcome. And here's what I want you to know about this church and the God that we serve is this. God doesn't care. He doesn't care whether you grew up in church or not. He doesn't care if you came dressed up or you came dressed down today or any other day. He doesn't care how great your life is or how messed up your life is. He doesn't care if you know all the books of the Bible or if you know no books of the Bible, no verses of Scripture, or you don't own a Bible. As you look at the life of Jesus, as you read the Gospels, you find a man that people interacted with. They engaged him. The rich, the poor, the married, the single, the divorced, the religious, the irreligious the influential, the uneducated, and those who were on the the outside looking in, those that didn't seem to matter, Jesus noticed. People came from everywhere to engage Jesus. People were on the fringes that came out of the woodwork to to, to meet him, to talk to him, to, to touch him. Jesus hung out with all kinds of people as you read the Gospels. He ate meals, he hung out, he was invited to parties with people that were very far from God. In fact, there were some ultra religious people there that actually you know, gave Jesus a hard time because he had spent time with some people that maybe he shouldn't have spent time with. And here's what it says in Luke seven thirty four: The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton, which means Jesus ate too much. Here's a, here's a, a drunkard. He drank too much. This is what they say. And then here it is, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And I love that. I love that. Jesus was my friend long before I ever knew him. Jesus is your friend long before you ever know him, believe him, even even acknowledge that he's there. He's a friend to all. If you read the Gospels, you'll see this truth, and this is in your notes. People who were least like Jesus liked Jesus. Do you get that? It's interesting. It's not that way with the church today, but it is that way with Jesus. People that were least like Jesus, they liked Jesus. Jesus' message from start to finish was that God loves us, that he's pursuing us. It's in the cross where we understand the depth of his heart to cleanse us, to purify us, and to forgive us, and to give us new lives. That's what we sang about. Romans 3.22 says, We are all made right by God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, circle that word, no matter who you are. It's crucial. I love that statement. It's no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, a lot of times I think we have to dress up who we are or fix ourselves or improve ourselves or if I just start doing this and I'll stop doing this, then maybe God will love me, accept me, forgive me, and allow me to be a part of his church, a part of his family. And that's just not the reality. In the Gospels it says you just come to God as you are. In fact, every story about Jesus' interaction with people, they just came to Jesus as they were. He didn't try to fix them. He just loved them as they were. And I love this. Jesus actually took every step but the last one. It says this in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, hey, listen, if you'll come halfway, I'll come, I'll meet you halfway. He didn't play this mental game with us. He didn't come because he was upset or because God finally had enough. He came pursuing us because he wanted us to to know the love of God and demonstrated it for us by dying on a cross. If you felt nervous or hesitant by coming in here today because maybe you thought, you know what, I'm just not worthy or maybe even kind of thought to yourself, you know, if I show up, the roof's going to fall in or whatever. If you've experienced rejection or betrayal of any kind from a loved one or from a friend or a family or from a church, here's what you need to know about this place. Everyone is welcome. Jesus' heart and life is full of compassion and love. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of Jesus. And that's the heart of this this church. Gateway is a place where everybody's welcome. Number two, nobody's perfect. 
Nobody's perfect. See, here at Gateway, I, I need you to know this. There's nobody that's, that's perfect. I, I know in churches, a lot of times you'll walk in and everybody kind of pretends to be something more than what they are. And they go and they listen to a, pre, a, a pastor get up and teach. And he, he acts like he's better than what he is. But here's the deal. Everybody just walks around pretending in a lot of places. Here's what you need to know about me. Okay, if you're brand new, you don't know who I am. Here's what you need to know about me. I'm a guy who's fighting to balance family and work. I have a short fuse. I blow up quickly. I say things I shouldn't. I'm constantly trying to work on being a better husband and a better dad. I'm trying to recover my, my family now based on what I had growing up that wasn't so good. I can be too hard on my 12-year-old at times. I often lack compassion for the things that I don't struggle with. I want grace for my mistakes, and I want justice for everybody else when they do wrong to me. I say things that sometimes as they come out, I'm like, no. You know, I try to go out and grab them, you know, before they get to their ears. And it's just, you can't unring that bell. That happens in my life all the time. I probably had 25 speeding tickets in my life, honestly. Uh, I don't know that you know this, but my de- the, the weekend I came here to do my trial sermon uh, before uh, you guys voted for me and God called us here, I got a ticket the night before. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I just, I've been to traffic school. I could, be a P- I, could, I could get a Ph.D. in traffic school because I've been there so, so many times. I struggle like, like many of you with road rage. I don't, anybody a road rage struggler? Let me just, can, can somebody? Okay, good. Um, I've had verbal confrontations with people. That's unbelievable. Words just spill out of my mouth with, like, you know, intense velocity. One time, Avery was really young, and she was in a car seat behind me, just she and I. We were in Seattle, and uh, we lived there for six years. And this guy cuts out in front of me, and I'm like, I just kind of did this. And he, he threw me the universal number one sign, and I reciprocated and then chased him with passion, all right, for miles, for miles, okay, miles. Couldn't let it go until he pulled into his neighborhood. I then pulled into his neighborhood and Jesus is trying to talk to me the whole time. And finally he goes, hey, bro, you're a pastor. If you choke this guy out, it will be bad for business, all right? I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I shouldn't do this. I'm an idiot. I mean, there, can you, you know, there, there's places where I look at myself and go, are you serious? You can't do this. Why are you doing this? Is there anybody else that looks in the mirror and goes, I'm a piece of work. Can I just see your hands? Okay, very good. Thank you for raising your hand. The rest of you are liars. You're liars, all right? Because here's the reality. Most of us are like the rest of us. We just are. We just are. We struggle. We're a collection of people who've all messed up, who've known better but did it anyway. We've all put our foot in our mouth. We've, we've all overspent. We've all been broken and messy and in need of God's work in us to help us to become the people that God created us to be. The Bible reinforces that nobody's perfect. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says it's all of us. The key word's all. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've all left God's path to follow our own. That's my story for the first 17 years of my life. Didn't grow up in church, never been a part of church. Uh, my, my parents had a pretty nasty uh, experience with church, and so we didn't grow, go growing up at all, never. And, and, and my life was pretty crazy, and I, I strayed far from the path, far from God for a very long time. And here's the reality. We can try and dress it up. We can wear a mask and we can go, hey, amen, brother, you know, how you doing good? You praise the Lord. We can do all of that stuff, but the reality is it doesn't change anything. We've all come up short. The Bible says this, the Greek word for this is sin, and the Greek word for sin here is like an archery term, which means to miss the mark. And the reality is we've all missed the mark in stuff that we've done, stuff that we said, stuff that in our motives, actions, thoughts, all of that, we've all miss the mark. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and all fall, fall short of the glory of God. 
Translation, nobody's perfect. Nobody. And you know what? God knew that. God knew that. That's why he sent his son to climb down into our world, into our mess, to live a perfect life and die in our place for our sin on a cross. Nobody's perfect. It's easy to, too, when you walk in to kind of think, you know what, there's probably no one in this room that's more messed up than me. And I don't know if you've ever said that, but I know that there's a lot of people who probably think that. And here's the reality. We all need to know that this is a church full of people that have struggled with anger and lust and failed relationships and, and pornography and, and, and sexual past and addictions and pride and language and telling the truth and doing the next right thing and struggling with forgiveness. And that's just our band, all right? Just so you know, that's just our band. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Just want to make sure you're still with me. Jesus' death on a cross that Good Friday, here it is, okay, you need to know this, was a statement that, you know what, I love you, and I know that you're flawed, and I'm pursuing you, so that we can know that God loves us, so that, so that our sin could be paid for, and then on the resurrection, three days later, so that, that we can know that there's hope beyond the grave. You see, we at Gateway are striving to eradicate this idea of pretending we don't want to wear a mask, and we're not religious, We want to embrace honesty and transparency and authenticity because transparency leads to freedom. And what you need to know is if you come more than a week, and you'll even see that here as soon as this message is over, is that we are not afraid to talk about our past because God's forgiven us of it. We're striving to be free people. We don't want to carry that stuff around with us. The past doesn't have to define us. In fact, the next series that we're going to talk about, much of that series is talking about how we let go of the past and move on toward this idea, this concept, this identity that God's actually given us. We're not afraid to talk about the past. We're no, we're, we realize this. We're no different than anybody else on the planet. We're just forgiven. No one's arrived. We're all in recovery. And nobody's perfect. Last point of this powerful statement is this. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible. Best part of this statement is that anything's possible. I've been a Christian now for more than half my life, and I've seen God work in people's lives in ridiculous ways. I've met people that were so far from God, encountered Jesus, bump into Jesus, and all of a sudden they experience His love and His grace for the first time, and it changes everything in their life. That's my story. I've seen people who were witches and prostitutes and homosexuals and womanizers and alcoholics and drug addicts, NCAA coaches, men who were in the mafia, the the rich, the proud, the busted, the broken, the abused, skeptics, Atheists and first-class sinners just like me bump into Jesus and be changed forever. That's the story and the power of the gospel. I want to show you a video about a guy named Keith. None of you know him. My wife and I went on vacation to see a couple of friends of ours who live in Ventura, California. They started a church called Mission Church. And uh, that, while we were out there, we got to see the church, and they're, they're just a few years younger. Um, and, and we got to just kind of talk with them, learn a little bit about their story and what God's been doing. And they began to share stories of different people that they were reaching and that God was doing cool things. And, and this is Keith's story. And let me just say this. I know that you don't know this guy, but just listen into his story because I think that you will find again and again we're reminded that with God, anything's possible. Check it out. I ran from God, and I squandered wealth, and I lived lavishly for many years without thought of God. From an early age, I didn't feel accepted, uh, partly because, you know, my mother and my father 
when I was born were incapable at that time in their life to accept the responsibility of a child. My mother had just gotten married for her sixth marriage, and, and the guy she married was, uh, was religious or saved or, you know, and, and, it, and the experience of being whipped with a fiberglass rod and told, and scriptures read as he was, spare the rod, spoil the child. Uh, I had a bad taste in my mouth about scripture right then. The God I knew back then it was like a judge, you know, behind when you went to court to drop the hammer and said to hell, you know, and you know, no, and I felt that he was a condemning God, and that no matter how hard I might try to be a good person, I could never live up to that God, what he wanted from me. I remember my stepfather telling me that for every F and for every U on my report card, I would get five lashes. And I came home with straight U's and straight F's. And I went to school the next day, and I was bleeding and cut, and I found this as my opportunity to get out of this house. And I made my way to the principal office, and, and I... Uh, they made me strip my clothes and take pictures, called D Department of Children's Services, and, and removed me from the home. When I was 16 years old, I saw my aunt and my uncle, and they told me, your mother had an aneurysm, and she's in a coma. I had been estranged from my mother after leaving the, the family at that last whipping, and it had been a couple years, and we hadn't really spoke. <clears throat> I went to the hospital, I remember the nurse telling me, you know, sometimes they can hear what you are saying. And I took this opportunity to grab her hand and it was just me and her. And this is probably the first, it was the first time in my life that I told my mother, I said, I love you. And she died while I was holding her hand. The pain from what I experienced right then, maybe it was because I had finally told her I loved her, or, or it was her death, or feeling once more alone. I covered my emotions and my feelings more, more with alcohol and drugs than ever before. It would be the start of my downward spiral. And I kind of ran with my half-brother. We would go into the projects and rob people for drugs and come out of the project with bullet holes in our car. We would break into houses. To drink and to do drugs, you need money, and we didn't have a job. Our job was using. Our job was drinking. And uh, to be able to afford our addiction, we had to come up with creative ideas of how to, to gain more and use more. When I was 22 years old, I went into a bar looking to sell drugs and and I saw a man standing at the bar. I remember he pulled a wad $100 bills out of his pocket and I said, that guy probably needs drugs. And I went over and said, hey, do you want to buy some drugs? And he's like, no, I don't want any drugs. And I go, well, then buy me a drink. And he goes, well, get a job. And I said, well, I'm trying to find a job. And he said, well, I have a store you can come build some shelves for me in the morning and gave me the address and bought me a drink and thought he'd never see me again. I didn't know where he told me to come to work was an adult bookstore. Um, 
and I was waiting there for him when he pulled up to build shelves. I stayed with him for 10 years. I went from building those shelves to shipping to selling to um, eventually leaving him and starting my own company and becoming Southern California's largest adult distributor. There were only two large distributors in the world and there was me on the West Coast and another guy on the East Coast. I would never use the word pornography because it was too harsh of a word for myself. I didn't want to accept the fact that I was in pornography so I softened it up with words like adult video distributor. I finally came to a point in my life that nothing was working anymore. I couldn't fix on buying things to cover up those feelings that go way back from when my mother died, or those feelings of feeling alone or feeling um, like an outsider. I can't say I was running to anything because I was running from my past, not realizing that I was running to nowhere. I was in a hurry to get to nowhere. I didn't know that God was starting to intervene in my life and he had a perfect plan for, for changing my life. I remember that uh, one of the things my friend had told me, God knew what he got when he got you. And as long as you're running to, you're running from. And so at this point in my life, I started running to God. I didn't know how I was going to change this big mess that I had. I didn't know how I was going to get out of the business or how I was going to change anything. I just, all I could do was focus on running to God. That was the only thing that seemed to work for me at that moment. And I knew in my heart that I had to make a change. When I finally came to my senses, I had prepared what I could say to God when I came home. But when returning home, I realized it didn't make a difference what I had to say. He took me just as I was. I ran from God and I squandered wealth and I lived lavishly for many years without thought of God. And he took me back into his arms and accepted me and gave me grace through his son. Isn't that an awesome story? Anything is possible. A man who grew up in dysfunction, experienced the pain of legalistic Christianity, a busted view of God, an alcoholic, a drug addict, a drug dealer, a thief, a man full of hate with broken relationships, a man who lost his mom, who lost his way, a man who ran far and hard from God. The second largest adult entertainment distributor of pornography in the world who ran but who had a God who recklessly, passionately pursued him. Two years ago, Keith left the world of pornography and adult entertainment because he found something that was satisfying. Keith had an encounter with Christ and it changed everything in his life. Here's the deal. There's hope for everybody. No matter who you are, what you've done, the pain of your past, the pain of someone else's brokenness that fell into your life, God is enough. Anything's possible. You see, there's hope today, Gateway, because of God's grace that eclipses our sin and our shame 
and our guilt. There's hope that can heal us from the painful words and actions of other people that fell out on our lives. There's hope for your marriage. There's, there's hope for you as, you as you pick up the broken pieces of your life. God's able and desires to, to do beautiful things, to take beauty out of ashes. There's hope that brings freedom from our addictions that hold us hostage. There's hope to overcome the daily battles and struggles with any kind of a disorder or self-injury. There's hope in the midst of financial ruin. There's hope through the anxiety and the darkness of depression. There's hope for healing from the deepest pain. There's hope in the brokest of brokenness. And there's hope because there's a God who loves us, who pursues us, and longs for us to encounter Him. I've seen people so messed up, situations that seem so impossible, marriages that seem so beyond repair, so over, people on the verge of just giving up who bumped into Jesus and came in contact with the love and grace of God and it changed everything forever. Anything's possible. Jesus made this statement and maybe this is the very reason that God brought you here today so that you could hear this because maybe you're just in a spot where you go, I don't know if it's ever going to get better. Maybe the glory days are behind me. Maybe it's all downhill from here. Here's what he said in Luke 18, 27. He said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. With man, impossible. With God, everything's possible. I love it because it communicates God's heart toward us, toward you and toward me and toward every person that you lock eyes with, every person on the planet. God whispers to us today, I don't care how messed up you are. I love you. I'm enough for you. I can make your heart beat again. I can fix your brokenness. I can rebuild your life. And if you walked a million miles from God, all you have to do is turn around because he's been pursuing you. He will be right there. God says, just give me a shot. Seek me. Chase me. Turn around. If you will seek me, you will find me. And you'll find unconditional love, amazing grace, and a hope that will never disappoint. I love what Jeremiah 29, 13 through 14 says. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's a promise. And I will bring you back from captivity. That's God's heart for us today. That's the God that longs to rescue a lot of us in this room, who's rescued a lot of us in this room, me included. He's rescued me from me. He's rescued a lot of you from yourselves. And right now we're in this beautiful process of God healing and redeeming and transforming our lives and our relationships, giving us hope in this life and the life to come. Here's the thing. Life is full of defining moments that are both beautiful and absolutely devastating. But maybe today God brought you here so that you could have one of those defining moments with him. Maybe you realize now for the first time that, you know what, what you thought about Christianity or the church or the the Bible or or even Jesus, maybe you're going, you know what, wow, that, that sounds different than what I've heard before. Or maybe today, Easter Sunday, is day one of this defining moment that may lead you on a journey to investigate Christianity and the claims of Christ that may lead you in a brand new direction. Maybe today is the first Sunday of a lot of Sundays for the rest of your life where you're back in church and you're looking back years from now going, you know what, that was the defining moment for me. And it made all the difference. I've been on the planet 43 years and I've experienced lots of defining moments, both good, bad, painful, and devastating. But none, none comes close to when I bumped into Jesus at the age of 17 and I encountered his grace and his love and experienced the, the, the power of that very first 
Easter Sunday morning, and it changed everything. To understand what Jesus willingly and lovingly and sacrificially did for me and for you, friends. And then three days later, on a, from a cross to, a, to an empty tomb, it's powerful. It changes everything. Jesus defeated the grave. Hope is available for everybody. Let me close with this one passage. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, it says, What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and that future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Friends, gateway, what do you do with this news? I mean, if this is true, what do you do with the most defining moment in all of human history? Could God really love you and me that much? Could God be the missing piece in your life that gives you passion and purpose and hope? And he actually gives you your life back. Is God really enough to to not only just forgive us of our sins, but to also begin to heal and transform our lives and every relationship in it? Maybe today is your defining moment. And if that's the case, after the service, we'd love to talk with you. Not to, not to, to coerce you or to talk you into, but to answer any questions. Uh, I will tell you in a couple weeks, April 19th, we're going to do another baptism service. We had a phenomenal baptism service about a month ago. God's been doing some really cool stuff. And I know that some of you have said, you know what, I'd really like to do that. And so April 19th, in fact, the day we're going to be talking about being pickpocketed by the past. And that day we're going to lay it down. Maybe that day is going to be your day for you. You need to know this, regardless of who you are or what you've done, no matter whether it was last night, this morning, or this week, or for 30, 40 years, it doesn't matter. God knows, and he pursues you. His love for you is beyond any other person's love. That's the good news. So don't miss the powerful message today in this most defining moment. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. I want to thank you for coming. We're going to do a couple songs, and and then I'm going to wrap us up. But here's the deal, Gateway, you need to know this. It's three words. He is risen. Happy Easter. Let's pray, okay? God, we love you. And it's really in our, beyond our ability to comprehend, especially when you say in Romans 5.8 that while we were still sinners, you died for us. That God, you looked at us and you said, I will give my only son. I will show you. I will not just say this to you. I will demonstrate for you my love by allowing sin to be paid for so that we wouldn't have to, that you would put your wrath, the penalty of our sin on Jesus so that we could have hope, so that we could lay down our past and live free lives and become the people that you've created us to be. God, thank you for adopting us into your family. Thank you for the fact that you don't hold one sin above the other, that, that all of it breaks your heart, but, but your heart is bigger for us. Your love is greater. Your grace is enough. And so today, Lord, on this very important Easter day. May hope come available. May people begin to understand that you are not maybe who they thought you were. The church is not what maybe they thought it was or the Bible is not what you thought it is. God, may your words just come alive. Thank you, God, for this day. God, it gives us hope. 
gives us confidence to come to you. We don't have to shrink our heads. We don't have to be nervous or afraid that we can just come, we can approach the throne with confidence because of what Jesus did for us so that we could be forgiven and free. And we celebrate that today. God, we thank you and we love you and we give you the rest of this day. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.